May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, dear Lord. Good morning. My name is Ann Eustace, and I'm one of your elders. And my husband, Alan Shad, and I have been a part of the St. John Faith community for coming up on almost 25 years. Happy seventh Sunday of Easter. This last Sunday of Easter is what I like to think of as a bridge. So I kind of want that metaphor to uh, override my, my, my remarks this morning. Because here we are awaiting the Jewish festival of Pentecost or the festival of the weeks. And back in the time of Jesus, that was when all the adult males needed to be in Jerusalem. Dan spoke to us last week about the gospel from John about Jesus going to prepare a place for his followers. And they were told that they should not be sad as he would be sending us a comforter and an advocate. And if any of you got to be with those of us who were here Thursday night, there was a beautiful service and we had a teaching about the ascension. And Dan left us charged not to spend too much time looking up as we saw Jesus leaving, he was now gone. He was gone to be back with his father, with our father. But that got me wondering, if this is the bridge, what were the disciples up to in between on this bridge Sunday? They're waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, but he's gone. And here's some things that I learned. Um, just quoting from <clears throat> a text um, about this time. In the Acts of the apostles there is a short interval of days between the ascension of jesus and the coming of the holy spirit at pentecost what happened during those days what did the apostles do between the ascension and pentecost well immediately following jesus ascension the apostles and the virgin mary gathered together in the upper room to, and what did they do they prayed remember this is the same location where jesus celebrated the last supper and Acts 1.14 records this. All these devoted themselves with one accord to prayer. For those of us gathered here today, this is certainly my prayer for us, that we could be of one accord as we gather to worship and to celebrate Holy Communion. For the text of my teaching today, Dan asked that I center on the epistle on 1 Peter. And I really focused on the end part. I think today's reading, at least the very end um, of the part in chapter 4 and then the part in 5, it gives us some clear direction on how to do just that, to grow together in one accord, to grow together to be disciples who can make disciples. So as a good teacher, I give you the end at the beginning, okay? So here's the nugget. All right, Peter tells us in verse 10, Chapter 5, God the Father himself will restore, support, strengthen, and establish each of us, and especially when we are gathered together. However, guess what? It's going to come after we have suffered for a little while. So this is the theme du jour, suffering, loss, and reward. Reflecting on this theme, I wanted to look at it through three lenses and Pastor Craig, but the Youth for, Pat, for Christ, Pastor Craig, um, spoke about this last week, and he said, it's good to look at your own story first, 
then our corporate story, and then his story, meaning Jesus' story. And we know that Jesus' story needs to be the story. So all of these things are, are woven threads together. In order to tell story today, I really thought about biography. And the older I get, the more I know that it's certain that our biography, each of us individually and, and us corporately, it really matters. Because by sharing and making ourselves vulnerable to each other, we're demonstrating both faith and courage. And I think when we do share, we help others to grow in both faith and courage. Biography is part of my faith journey for several years now. Uh, as maybe five years ago, um, a group of us were tasked with writing our own personal gospels. I suggest this and commend this to you. It's a wonderful thing to do, but not an easy one. Fahrenheit suggested that for me, I should focus on a core verse or story within the Bible. Like, what's, what's my go-to? And then try to build my personal gospel from there. Many of you who know me know that I quickly went to John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. This verse is my honest embodiment. I have needed to heavily rely on him my whole life and remain in him. Apart from him, if you know me, I'm truly a wreck. So I, I lean on him heavily. Going way back in time to look at Alan, but he knows this. When I was a kid, I actually thought of myself as um, having cornered the market on suffering. So when Dan said, do you want to preach about suffering? Oh, yeah, I got this. No worries. I awarded myself Martyr of the Year for many years running. In my view, no one could possibly have endured what I did. Um, I grew up in a doubly alcoholic and abusive parental situation. And for me as a kid, it was confusing as be at best. But at worst, it created in me a ton of anxiety, fear, and doubt. When my dad died at the early age of 48, and my sisters and I were young teens, in some ways, for me, it actually got worse. Because with my dad's death, my mom's mental illness worsened, and then she began a long affair that led to her being gone from our home almost all the time. I had a lot of uh, time to be a martyr here because I became what I would call a, mar a modern version of Cinderella. I was in charge of all things domestic in our home. The shopping, and yes, Dan, the list making, um, cooking, and cleaning. It was as though I was forced into a, an adulthood before I was even ready. And my mom would say strange things to me at this juncture. She'd say, oh, honey, don't worry. You'll gain your reward in heaven. That was supposed to be good enough. I, I strongly remember being relieved when I got to go off to college because finally I only had myself to look after. And it was during this period that I committed my life fully to Christ. For me, I had to go through a long, long journey of mourning and joy for me came in the morning and I'm spelling it intentionally, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. To go through all those stages of grief I did grieve not just dad's death, but, you know, all the stuff that I had to let go of. 
But because of suffering and because of loss, I was grafted to the vine, apart from whom, whom I could do nothing. And many of you know, I often associate songs with what I'm focused on in my teachings. So I asked Paul if we could sing, and we will later, Blessed Be Your Name. It helps me a lot when I'm, quote, unquote, going through it, as our teenager says to me, Mom, are you going through it? Yes, I'm going through it. And some of the lines in that song are, and blessed be your name when I'm found in a desert place. And when there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. This is hard to do, but I commend you to try it because it works. Many of you gathered here with us today and, and at home, you've walked through long desert places, but many of you've walked a desert place with me when now seven years back at this time of year, I kept falling all the time and I would be in so much pain that I often could not even get out of bed. It became apparent to the doctors and me that I would not get better or even be able to walk unless both my feet and ankles were completely rebuilt. Each of these surgeries resulted in a hard cast from my knees to my toes for six weeks running. And you know what? That turned out to be the easy part of my recovery. Next came the boots and then the braces. Got so strong on those crutches, you know I almost ran over some of you. And each time, extensive and intensive physical therapy, taking a year each time to be able to fully walk again. So if there was ever a time in my life that I could relate to suffering and loss, it was seven and six years ago. However, the reward of being able to stand before you today has made it all worthwhile. And I succeeded because of courage and faith, but also because of the faithfulness and the prayers of you all, my faith community. Some of you know that the struggles and <laughs> The hardships and the losses have continued differently, of course, but going through different ones of late is helping me go back to some of those core truths, and I think that I'm still continuing to grow up. Connecting to the First Peter texts, I've realized that as humans, we all need to share in suffering and in loss. Although I apparently needed to think I was the only one who suffered as a kid, I know otherwise now. Walking along with many of you in all these years of being able to shepherd, teach, and pray with you, it's helped me know just a fraction of what many of you are dealing with and continuing to deal with. Your needs, your hurts, your losses are vast and extreme. And so my prayer today is that we could keep on sharing with each other, keep on sharing with me, with the elders, with each other, with Dan, so that we can truly know one another's stories. Knowing her faith journey and having the confidence to share our journeys, it's the most authentic form of evangelism you can imagine. It makes us real for people to actually see that this faith is, is worth it. Back when I was a kid and suffering in my room in silence, I could hear one of my sisters singing in her room next door, very loudly. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. And I have to admit at first, I thought this was funny because she was able to out-martyr me. However, her response was clearly the right choice because Jesus knows and cares about us. 
He wants us to talk to him and to lean on him. And he certainly knows the road of suffering, right? In 1 Peter 4 and 5, we're given important instructions for how to proceed on this road, this road marked with suffering. He states, firstly, we're not to be, to be surprised. Like, oh, suffering. It shouldn't be strange because it's supposed to be expected. However, we want to grow to rejoice as we are on it because we are invited at that juncture to share in Christ's suffering. And by doing so, the Bible tells us a spirit of glory will be revealed to us. Peter tells us that this is the spirit of God and it will soon be resting on us. Pentecost is next week. And most importantly, we are to humble ourselves and to cast all our anxiety on him. So what does Peter tell us to do next? He says we are to discipline or equip ourselves, just being aware that the devil is prowling around trying to steal our joy. Definitely pervasive. We are to resist the devil by being steadfast in our faith and knowing we're not alone. All over the world, all others are also, quote, unquote, going through it. We do this by learning how to be disciples together and by knowing, as verse 10 in chapter 5 says, and after you have suffered for just a little while, the God of all grace, who has called him, excuse me, who has called you to his eternal glory in Jesus Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. This day, I pray mightily that each of you would feel that restoration, that support, the strength, and the establishment as we are his beloved children. And I feel certain that if we claim Holy Spirit power in this journey, it will all be achievable. Because I figure while we are to share in Christ's suffering, we are so deeply blessed because we only have to walk in the shadow of the cross. Jesus carried the cross for us, and he still bears and carries our present burdens. More than ever, I am awestruck by Jesus' sacrifice. And in response, I want to give back for all he's done. So mom, you had it wrong. I don't need to get my reward in heaven because heaven is my completely undeserved reward. And thank you, Jesus. Amen. I have a little coda so your band doesn't have to get up here yet. Okay. So as I'm wrapping up a little transition here, I wanted to leave you with a challenge. You must know that I can't leave this pulpit without homework, right? I've been able to have some time. I started it on the National Day of Prayer, rereading a book by Mike Breen, and it's called Speak Out. Its subtitle, Awakening Mission and Discipleship Through Both Private and Public Communication. Our dear friend Karen Heist helped edit this work, and it is a powerful tool for equipping us. Mike suggests that the need to know and share your own biography and then to be ready to discover the biographies of the people around you is paramount. He says we are to, quote, find out where the connections are and where the differences are. And in this process, it will help unlock what is termed our own apostolic imagination, 
and the apostolic imaginations of everyone around us. So I challenge you to begin this task, but it means we have to be real, to be vulnerable, to be there for each other. And I believe there's no time like now to try. I think everything depends on it. And my primary gifting is evangelism, and so I can't help but get ready to send you by saying, you gotta get out there, you gotta share. Remember, we may be someone's only Bible. Green has a long quote that is really poignant for me at this time because it picks up on the exact time in the liturgical year we are in, this time in Acts where we're waiting for the Holy Spirit. So Mike says, it would be great to leave you with a challenge and send you forth with apostolic imagination to conquer the world. But let's get real. Many of us find ourselves in contexts that are challenging and changing with personal stories that are different because they come from different social histories. As I look out, we, don't, we do share a lot, but there's a lot that we're different even here. He writes, let me explain this idea by pointing back to the Great Commission. As Jesus prepared to ascend to heaven, he gave a strategic outline of where he wanted his disciples to go next. He told them to hang around and wait for the Holy Spirit. Trying to do that, Lord. But once empowered to do the works of mission next week, these disciples were to go out. They were to start in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, then Samaria, and then where? The ends of the earth. Green suggests there are four contexts in which we need to witness and to witness to the gospel of Jesus, and it needs to be expressed first among the people we live with and live among who are like us, and that would be what we call our Jerusalem. So for homework, start to think about what is my Jerusalem. Then we need to witness among people who are pretty much like us, and we'll call this our Judea. There may be some adjustments, some social stratification, but basically we're the same kind of people. These people just happen to live a little farther away. So think, thinking of these concentric circles and, and radiating out. Next, we need to witness among people who have the, some kind of connection with us, but amongst us there's suspicion, segregation, separation, prejudice, fear, and even a clash of cultures. And this would be what we view as our Samaria. This happens when we do not understand or have knowledge of the people we connect with, or we have no desire or need to they have no desire or need to connect with us. And you've got to remember there was a long history between the Jews and the Samaritans of separation, of isolation, prejudice, fear, things that would cause the issues of proclamation of the good news to be really stretched and put under pressure. And then finally, we're to go to the ends of the earth. But Jesus says, if you can reach your Jerusalem, the people like you who live near you, and live near you, your Judea, the people who are a lot like you but don't live quite near you, and your Samaria, the people you feel quite distinct from, separate from, you can probably reach the whole world. And he said, that's because the world is populated by these kinds of people, people who are like you, people who are a little different from you, and people who are a lot different from you. If you can really deal with these three kinds of people, then Jesus says, go, go to the ends of the earth, Let's be sent. And I pray that we would do this being of one accord. So I'd just like to end with a prayer and 
um, the band can come back up and we can have a time of quiet response and, and musical response. Dear Lord, thank you that you give us your words, that you give us the power of story, that we need to not be afraid to share what's really going on with each other. We need to trust in your spirit resting on us and giving us encouragement when we talk to each other, when we're um, courageous, and when we grow our faith by being together. Thank you that we know the Holy Spirit's coming and he already dwells within us, but we celebrate what the disciples felt and how they could understand each other. And I just pray for that wisdom and understanding. Thank you for the road marked with suffering because there is joy after a little while. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>